Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up. We're going to have a look at our Harvard Business Review tips. This one of the particular ones, maintain your entrepreneurial passion by being flexible. We're also going to have a chat with Christina Gerakaitis about the Minute on Innovation. But right now it's time to join Tony Vidre at AV Chartered Accountants for some talk on tax. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, Gillian. How are you? And you're recovering with your voice, I hope. Uh, it's getting there very slowly. Been struck down by the man flu, and as we know, there's nothing worse. <laughs> well, God only knows. We've just we've just had an introduction <laughs> to uh, an accountant with God only knows. So, uh, oh, okay, there you is, go. Is that going to be your answer when I say let's uh, talk about deductions? <laughs> well, it's a little bit like that. It's that that wonderful um, piece. You know, how long's a piece of string? And um, it's something that in all my years of of being on the receiving end of this question, I thought we might might have a bit of a, a chat about. Um, claiming deductions for which there are no receipts. The number of times that um, that I've had um, clients who've got either little or no record keeping whatsoever, and, and who you know need love their return prepared quickly, they expect a large refund, and they say to you something like, "Well, claim claim as much as you can without claiming receipts." <laughs> um, or they've heard from someone down the pub, you know, "Can't I claim X amount of dollars without having any receipts?" So I thought we'd explore some of those yeah. some of those some of those myths. So of course, it's a bit of a tug of war rope when the ATO at one end saying you need to keep receipts and mm. and um, yeah um, taxpayers who don't keep records. So there's a few there's a few that that don't require specific um, documentation. Now the first one I want to talk about is um, laundry. Yep. So laundry is one of those deductions that can be claimed up to $150 um, without receipts as long as um, you meet the criteria for having a work uniform. So as long as Part of um, part of what you do is you wear a, a uniform, and it could be a shirt with a logo, overalls, all that sort of stuff that requires uh, protective clothing. As long as it's a condition of your employment that you wear that stuff, so it's compulsory, then you're allowed a deduction of up to $150 in does, laundry. Does that include dry cleaning? It does include dry cleaning. Yep. So the moment you want to go one dollar over it, then you have to substantiate the whole the whole lot thing. of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, were you talking about not having receipts? What about the fact that receipts fade? Um, yeah, well, in this day and age, I, <clears throat> I'm a huge fan of, um, of of less is more, and and we we tend to um, scan a lot of stuff these days. So, um, your responsibility is to make sure that if you want to um, save something electronically, it has to be easily retrievable and and legible. Um, and okay. that's been that was introduced. So, those of us who've been working in office environments for many years remember um, that fax paper. Um, not yeah. only does it not only does it fade, but what I found um, to my horror, all of the ink on one side of the page ends up going on the back of the of the page beforehand. So, so as you turn the pages, all the all the all the actual writing just tended to to um, peel off. So, yeah, these days with um, with scanning, it's um, it's probably not a bad idea to, to um, take a, an electronic copy before it fades. But, but I mean, particularly. Petrol receipts can can fade. Well, petrol's an interesting one. Hold that thought if we if we get a, okay. a chance to, to come back to that. In fact, we might talk about. Well, let's talk about motor vehicle expenses now. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the methods, and again, <clears throat> there were some changes that came in on the first of July. But a lot of people claim what they call the cents per kilometre uh, method. So, in other words, 
you don't keep detailed um, logbook records where you, you, you're um, keeping a track of every kilometre that you do. But at the end of the year, you make an estimate um, based on a, on a reasonable um, on a reasonableness uh, basis on how many kilometres it was that you travelled during the year for work purposes. So you may have had to go off and you know, pick things up, drop things off, and there's a limit of 5,000 um, kilometres, which is about 100 a week, so it's a, it's a mm. lot of kilometres that you'd have to um, travel. Um, there used to be a little table depending on the size of the engine of your car, and um, and then you used to be able to just multiply it out, and it gave you a deduction of about three three thousand, $3,500. Now, the, the handful of times that, that clients of ours have been audited, they have been asked to come up with, well, how did you come up with that list of 3,215 kilometres? Mm. Um, so we have to go back through the records and find out how many trips they did um, you know, to and from. But it's um, but that, that's another one that doesn't require an enormous amount of substantiation. Now, go the other way. Assume for a minute that you have kept a logbook um, and um, you've, you've gone to the trouble of keeping a logbook for your vehicle for the for the 12 weeks and you've got to keep all of the receipts for regar insurances, you don't have to keep receipts for fuel. That's oh, one okay. of those things. No, because the ABS, the Australian Bureau of Statistics now, published data on how much um, fuel costs oh, and right. as long as you keep odometer records um, yeah. at, the end of, at the start of end of every year, you can work out that you've travelled, you know, 21,000 kilometres um, and based on that and, the, and where you are in Australia, you can multiply that out by the, the cost of fuel so you do not need to keep cost, um, fuel records. And mine goes on the bank statement anyway because you can see it's yeah. uh, so petrol station you spent $50 or whatever. Yep, that's it. And don't forget, and another little known one as well, is um, travelling to your accountant to get your tax return done. That trip is a deductible trip as well. So <laughs> even though it might be only seven kilometres for some people, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a good one to, uh, it's a good one to claim. What about meal allowances? Ah, you... uh, yeah. Meal, meal, allowance. meal allowances falls into a, an interesting category, and I'll, and I'll lump them all in together with, um, say, union fees um, and tool allowances. A lot of these things that appear on your payment summary. So let's say you work somewhere... Um, and they actually pay you, um, or they deduct some money out of your out of your pay. Um, so, for example, and they pay your meal allowance. Um, you're able to claim up to the amount that you receive as as being reasonable. So, okay. you work for a for a company, and usually, um, and again, I've read some of the awards. If you work back after six o'clock, um, you're entitled to a meal allowance that might be fifteen dollars, twenty dollars, something like that. That appears <coughs> on your payment summary as an amount on there that they've paid you, you declare it as income, but then you can claim that um, amount outright without receipts because it, it's a reasonable amount. It's been paid under an award. Mm. It's a reasonable amount, so you don't have to have receipts for that. You want to, If you want to claim more than the $20, then you have to have um, substantiation and receipts for it. So same with the segue with the union fees. If they're deducting a certain amount out of your pay each week, and at the end of the year it says that you've paid $924 in union fees, once again, that's prima facie evidence that mm. that is a deduction for you're able to claim it without having going back and, and providing um, you know receipts because it's been taken out of your pay. Just going back to the meal allowance. So if people give you a travel allowance, so they go say, I don't know, three hundred dollars for going away, staying in a motel, and meals and things, is that come that's under different. the same category? Yeah, that's a that's a travel allowance. That's not a meal allowance. Okay. So, and that's, I might save that one for another day because okay. there's a whole discussion around, we might do that one next month, eh? Yeah. Um, there's a whole discussion around travel allowances, meal allowances. It gets really complicated. We, just as when I thought I understood it, they then, there was another Change ruling it. that came out for 
the camping allowances for living on site, living away from home. There's a lot of, and it's tied up with fringe benefits. I might try and demystify that um, next month. That's a real trick. Sounds one. good. But a, me- but a meal allowance is not a, a travel allowance. Um, just not very quickly to finish up, there's, um, there's also, keep in mind, bucket donations. So mm. we, we seem to go through a lot of um, um, tragedies in Australia in the last few years. I don't remember one in the 15, 16 financial year, but things like bushfires, um, and flood deductions, where they go around to a lot of you know buckets, music yeah. festivals and things like that. You put, you can claim up to um, ten dollars um, with um, with bucket donations. And don't forget the overriding rule, which has been around since 1986, and that is that you can claim deductions of up to three hundred dollars without substantiation. But the wording is very circular in that you still have to prove that you incurred the, the money cost. in the first place. Yeah. So how yeah. do you prove it? You have to keep a receipt. receipt. In the first place. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> well, you go and rest your throat and uh, we'll have a chat next month uh, on those uh, travel allowances. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks Thank you. Bye bye. Cheers. Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants looking at those deductions where you don't need to keep receipts. Time to pop over for our minute on innovation with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm good. I should stop calling it a minute on innovation. Yeah, you should because it's neither a minute. Sometimes the conversation extends further than innovation. So there you go. But it's a nice way to intro it. So, so we're going to talk about walking the talk today. Yeah, I think so. You know, and it all comes back to... For me, it comes back to... Um, and I could get into trouble for saying this, but... The whole census debacle, what we're trying to to set ourselves up as is a nation of ideas, an innovative nation. And as you and I both know, a lot of times when you innovate and you try something new, it doesn't work. So Mm. we're out there going, hey, you know, if you're going to fail, fail fast and failure's okay and take a risk and et cetera, et cetera. And then the minute something goes wrong um, at a a top end level, we go, hey, whose fault is it? Whose Mm. head's going to roll? Sack the Prime Minister. You know, instead of everyone going, hey, you know what, it's stuffed up and, and the tech company who I won't name, um, you know, goes, okay, look, we stuffed it up. Hey, let's fix it. We're not going to charge you any extra money. Let's get this thing happening. And everybody around the country going, okay, the information's important. Let's get it in there. We don't, we don't go into that space. We go into whose head's going to roll, sack everybody. Yeah. They did a bad job. You know, and, and it's, for me, that is just the antithesis of walking your talk. So on one hand, we're out there going, take a risk, give it a go. Failure's okay. Just get up and do it again. And as soon as it happens, what do we do? But obviously at some time there has to be responsibility for certain actions if people are not doing something properly. That's absolutely correct. And if it's proven that they, you know, with intent they stuffed up, with intent they they made a mistake, with intent they didn't do their homework, completely different story. You know, but if people have taken all care that they can and they've tested things and they've, you know, they've tried to get things out on time, et cetera, et cetera, then I think, you know, we really need to walk the talk. We need to put our money where our mouth is and go, you know what, we fell over, let's get back up, let's make it work, let's make this thing count. So I absolutely agree with you. If the intent, if there's fraud, if there's anything bad, not that I'm suggesting there was in this instance, <laughs> but if we ever find out there was something bad happening, of course that's yeah. a different different yeah. kettle of fish, you know, yeah. absolutely. So uh, obviously when, when we take it to in organ, organisations, um, we need to have senior management allowing people to, to take those risks, make those mistakes without looking for recriminations. 
That's right. And, you know, the, the forward-thinking organisations are doing that. The forward-thinking yeah. organisations, as, as we've discussed before, are rewarding ideas. They're not going... They're not rewarding on whether the ideas work. They're rewarding people coming forward with ideas. You know, the best ideas are getting funded to turn into potential um, activities or potential products or potential services or, you know, do a bit of investigation here. There's a company around town that's giving $2,500 to each, um, and it's a large company, obviously, but every time a good idea comes in, they'll give you $2,500 to prove it, to make mm. a case for it, to go, is there a need for it, go and do some research, come back to us if there is, then there's further money in the, you know, in the till to develop that good idea, because otherwise, mm. how do people progress? How does change really happen? Unless it's at the start-up phase. And, yeah. you know, at the start-up phase... They're looking for investment to prove that an idea is going to work or not going to work as well. So, you know, the whole I think we we need to to free up the blinkers. So, so, so the other thing you were going to talk about was tight versus lean. Oh, absolutely. So, had a had an experience with a um, with a client the other day. Or not a client, a potential client who may not be a client, um, <laughs> but you know the the lack of um, willingness to try things and and everything was so it wasn't only tight monetary, it was tight thinking. You know, it was tight. Yeah. No, I can't step out of that, and I'm and I'm thinking, why do you have me sitting in the room if you're not mm-hmm. prepared to step out a little bit? You know, and, and stepping out doesn't necessarily mean that you have to step right out of the house. It might mean just let's put a toe out of this room. You know, um, so that tightness, and if it comes back to budget, it is. There's a difference between tight and lean. There's a difference between not spending money through fear, not wanting to promote something, not wanting to get something moving forward, not putting money into a great idea, as opposed to lean, which is doing it sensibly. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not let's not waste money, let's spend it productively. How are we going to get the most bang for the buck, you know? So there is a big difference for me between tight and lean. Yeah. Um, and, and you really need, if you're going to try something new, you need to put a little bit of, of capital behind it. And whether that capital is hard cash or whether it's personnel to work an idea, I don't care which one it is, you know, but you need to, again, put your money where your mouth is um, and try something new that, that is going to progress you forward or don't pretend to try. But for me, tightness and budget cutting and everything else just leads you on a downward spiral until you can't cut anything else. And people go, oh, but my, I've got a great website and I'm, I've got great this and I've got great that. But, you know, you go, well, have you spent any marketing money to let people find your website or to extend your reach or to extend... You know, there's a, the, another thing. Um, I was talking to someone else the other day. He said their appointment books were empty. And I said, well, you know, what are you doing as far as marketing? Oh, well, we're sending out newsletters and we're doing this and we're doing that. And I go, well, how are you reaching a new audience? And they went, what do you mean? I said, well... Is, the, is your newsletter going to the same people? Well, yes, of course it is. Okay, well, what are you doing to extend yeah. that reach? Yeah. So that, that I think, is, is something that we need to look at um, as organisations as well. It's not only sending the same message out to the same people, it's how do you send your message out to a new audience? I would suggest, from my experience, you don't want those sort of people as clients if they don't want to take those risks anyway. So they always end up as difficulties. Well, thanks oh, for your I'm time. I to say that on radio. <laughs> I thanks sure, for your time you and... We'll have a chat uh, next week about some more new products out there. We shall. I look forward to it. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with, uh, yeah, walking the talk is important. Uh, and also, yeah, be prepared to try some of these things. You've, if you don't try something new, you won't get a new result. Well, we've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one here, maintain your entrepreneurial passion by being flexible. 
Most of us think of entrepreneurs as passionate professionals who have that fire in their belly. But it's hard to maintain the level of dedication no matter how passionate you are and research has shown that entrepreneurs' enthusiasm for their projects can fade over time. One way to prevent this is to avoid sticking to a plan. Strictly adhering to your business plan is a recipe for disengagement. You need to be flexible and agile as you learn more about your product, your customers and the market. This isn't just good for your business, it keeps you excited about your project as you continue to evolve it. By changing and refining your ideas, you can make significant progress and build your confidence. Rather than feeling misunderstood by the outside world, you will gain a sense of control over events as they unfold, which will counter any decrease in passion over time. A bit like what we talked about just now with Christina, and so is this one. To build resilience, write down what you're grateful for. When it comes to building your emotional resilience, nothing does more good than maintaining a positive outlook and regularly expressing gratitude. These two actions have been shown to decrease anxiety, reduce symptoms of illness and improve the quality of your sleep. But it's not enough to be optimistic and say thank you a lot. You can increase the effect of these activities by keeping a record of your positive interaction, events and memories. Maintain a simple list of things you're grateful for or are you looking forward to in a particular in a paper notebook or either in a in a an excel spreadsheet there are even digital gratitude journals you can download and use find a regular time say first thing in the morning or at the end of the workday to review it and add these records studies have shown that doing so builds your resilience well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We looked at a few of those things there that we can claim deductions for without receipts and the importance of walking the talk. Next week, we're going to talk innovation with Christina. We'll have some more legal and business news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Dale Carnegie once said, Remember, happiness doesn't depend on who you are or what you have. It depends solely on what you think. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.